Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. All right. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, it is another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Out of the dark ages, into the last phases of the semester at the U.S. Naval Academy, and that means we are hot and heavy. We're talking to you, Jake Jarmel on Seinfeld, hot and heavy into lacrosse. Uh, joining me is Bill Wagner. I, of course, am John Schofield. Chris Cervello is our producer running Old Man Radio and the like, and also going low on the golf course, no big deal. Let's jump right into it, Wags. I said it's hot and heavy time for lacrosse. We'll talk about women's lacrosse just you know, putting record books in danger and sweeping teams off the field. The men's team has a different thing going on. Uh, as I said yesterday in my MacArthur-like return to Villanova University, it was kind of a rough day uh, for the men's lacrosse team at Villanova. They jumped out to a one nothing lead. John Jero scored within... I think the first two minutes, I wasn't even in my seat um, there in the football stadium, which is about the size of Broadnock High School's uh, football stadium, by the way, but I digress. And after that, uh, you blinked your eyes. The mids were down 7-1. It ended even worse uh, with a very, very bad 17-6 loss to the Villanova Wildcats. Now, Villanova is number seven in the country, Wags, and... We were without Swanson, Tolker, Skalniak, Xavier Arline, Kyle Fairbanks. But I don't know. Next man up, you got to get some results here. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, it's a pretty disappointing result for sure. Navy is incredibly depleted, John. I mean, that's a lot of talent. And that's most of your top scorers. Arline, Tolker, Skalniak. Swanson hasn't played in... Four games, I believe. Uh, don't know when he's coming back, but there's no firepower, John. It was great to see John Jaros, the Severn School product and Gambrel's resident, step up with a hat trick. But you know, where was Mac Haley, the talented young freshman? He didn't do much. Um, there, there's no midfield scoring without, you know, I mean, frankly, Tolker's been running midfield because Mac Haley took over the left-handed attack spot. So your top three midfield scores are out. Swanson, Skowniak, and Tolker. Um, just disappointing situation. Couldn't win faceoffs. That was an issue, uh, especially in the first three quarters. Just complete domination by Villanova. Um, you know, too many turnovers. Uh, just not good lacrosse, and it's not competitive lacrosse. Yeah, the turnovers wags. There, there was one point in the first half where. The mids had two extra man advantages, one for one minute and the other for two minutes on an illegal cross check. And both of those extra man opportunities, those EMOs ended with nothing. The first one ended with like they did hit a pipe. By the way, this game was so weird. There were at least 15 pipe shots by both teams like they were just peppering the posts. 
I don't know what the score could have been had any of those shots gone in, but it was, it, it was just a very poor performance offensively. And I have to say, I was sitting up with the Navy fans, the Navy families, and they were remarking on it too, that with an extra man advantage, passes are going out of bounds. So now Wags, six losses in a row with nothing but road trip to Holy Cross awaiting you this coming weekend. And then you got to jump right into it. Be you, you know, the fighting Charlie Toomey's of Loyola come a calling on April 7th. You've got a lot of challenges awaiting you in the Patriot League um, after this. And it doesn't look like a lot of these guys are coming back soon from injury. What have you heard in terms of scuttlebutt there? Well, I think Skowniak's a long way from returning if he returns at all. I don't know what's going on with Dane Swanson. I'm going to have to do a little more inquiring to find out what is the nature of his injury. Tolker played against Hopkins. I guess he got hurt in that game. Xavier played against Hopkins, scored a goal and had an assist. I guess he got hurt in that game or in practice. I, I, I'm going to have to do some investigating to find out what's going on. But if, if Navy's without these players for extended period of time, it's trouble. And I noticed that in the box score, a lot of young kids are playing, I guess, in a game that gets out of hand, it's a chance to get some young guys into the mix. But midfielder Paul Garza, uh, he's a Frederick native. Uh, you got Race Ripley attacking the kid from Spalding, Annapolis guy. Um, A.J. Hernandez, a defenseman. So it uh, looks like Coach Amplo and the staff are, you know, in games that are, are pretty much decided by the third quarter are getting some young guys some action. Now, I... I uh, Hernandez started because, you know, Fairbanks is out, and I guess they decided that, you know, he's the next guy up. So he started. Uh, I And Max Hewitt, the other midfielder I'll make mention, is not producing offensively the way he has in the past. He's a guy that has a knack, a, a kind of a nose for the goal. I don't know, John. It's a tough situation. They're, they're in a bad place. And at this point, you know, there is no – opponent that is uh, a, I mean it, the way Navy's going right now they could lose to anybody I'd like to say you can't take anything away from Villanova let me defend my alma mater um you know as Wags pulls up what the what the murderer's row might look like for the mids coming home in the Patriot League Villanova's number seven in the country got it check um now as a Maryland fan and someone who watches lacrosse could Villanova go out there and compete with Maryland or UVA right now no but they were very good in this game. Their possession, uh, their shots, their speed. But who have they played? They beat Monmouth. They beat a ranked Penn team. Uh, but this hasn't really been a team that's faced the competition, um, kind of like Cindy Timschel has put the ladies team through. Um, it, you know, so don't, don't take anything away from them. Pat Daly, for them, had a season-high tying five goals uh, he recorded his seventh hat trick and eight appearances this season. Villanova's good, and you'll see them uh, in May in the NCAA tournament. But this was not a game I expected Navy to just get run uh, off of the field, and and that that's troubling. And Holy Cross, it does not present anything easier, right, Wags? Well, so yeah, John, that's two of the last three games Navy's basically been non-competitive. The Colgate game and now Villanova, where you know Colgate had a 10-0 run, game over. Uh, Villanova had a 7-0 run game over. So, you know, by halftime, these games are done and that's just, that's not acceptable. Uh, Holy Cross could be a breather. They're 0-7 overall, 0-3 in the Patriot League. 
This is a game you got to win, John. I don't care if it's on the road. And Holy Cross's head coach is J.L. Repper, former Navy lacrosse player, a longtime assistant, then went to Maryland as an assistant under John Tillman, who's another Navy, former Navy assistant. But J.L. is now the head coach at Holy Cross. And let's just take a moment to say that our enduring condolences are for J.L., who lost his wife after a very tough battle with cancer. Uh, but this has got to be a tough situation for J.L. He lost his wife, you know, this year. And then now he's got a team struggling. But Navy's got to go up to Worcester and win this game, John. It ain't no ands, ifs, or buts. Because you mentioned Boston looms. Boston's at the top of the table. They're they're up there with Army. Boston's a 6-1 and one overall, 3-0. and oh. Army West Point is 6-1, 3-0. Loyola's 5-2, 2-0. Uh, you already lost to Lehigh. I mean, the, so yes, you still got some of the top teams in the Patriot League coming up on the schedule. Army, Boston, and Loyola. Still, Navy still has yet to play all three of those teams that are 1-2-3 in the standing. So before we put a pin in this and move on to women's lacrosse wags, I have to do a little bit of a preview of our first interview, which is uh, audio from Brian Newberry's press conference to kick off spring football. Um, one of the things that I asked him and that you'll hear in the interview was about Xavier Arline and, and Coach Newberry intimated that you know, Xavier was injured. Well, you know, he was right. I get up to Villanova and Xavier is not playing. Um, and it did not sound like Coach Newberry was pumped about this current situation, that it was something they were dealing with um, and not necessarily embracing and, and, and happy about, particularly because he's injured and that affects spring football. So for you, I was talking to another coach at the Naval Academy last night. How much longer do you let an Xavier R-line play lacrosse if the men's lacrosse season continues to spiral out of control? Do you eventually, as an administration between Chuck Gladchuck, Brian Newberry, and Joe Amplo, make the decision to say, you know what? The juice is not worth the squeeze. You know, that's a good question, John. Um, and I hadn't thought about it, but I think they made a promise to J Xavier R-line when he was recruited that he could be a two-sport athlete. And I don't think at the Naval Academy you renege on your promises. Uh, that said, though, you're right. This is the situation is, is difficult. And I think the reason Brian Newberry might seem a bit perturbed is the fact that he got injured playing lacrosse. It's exactly what he feared. You know, it, it all sounded great in theory about Xavier playing two sports at the same time and, you know, practicing with the football team and then being with the lacrosse team for games. But when he gets hurt in lacrosse, then he's not available for football at all. And now, QB1, as it stands, with Ty Lavatai currently out with an injury and going to miss spring practice while recovering from a surgery, uh, you don't have your, your, your leading quarterback to you know, not only run the offense, but help along the younger guys. So, you know, and I know Xavier will be at football practice, but it's completely different being on the field, directing the offense, and being the on-field leader he needs to be. And the injuries then I think that he's had some nagging injuries that also prevented him from participating in the fourth quarter conditioning sessions. And that's also important. Again, being out there at dawn, cheering on your teammates as they go through fourth quarters is a lot different than actually going through the grind yourself. So as it stands now, the uh, idea of 
football across simultaneous during the spring semester is not working. No. Um, and we will absolutely keep everyone updated on how that continues to evolve throughout the spring. It's, it's going to be something to watch. Something else to watch is how great our now ranked uh, women's lacrosse team is. Uh, so they went up and just stomped Bucknell 21 to 13. Kind of sounds hilarious to say, but freshman sensation Ava Yovino had an off game with only two goals and one assist. Lily Denton, uh, who became the NAAA Athlete of the Week and the Patriot League Midfielder of the Week, had five goals. Joining her in the five-goal club is goal-scoring sensation Emily Messinese. Wags, this women's team is hitting its stride. They are absolutely just putting away their own Villanova loss from February 25th and now on their own little winning streak that matches the men's losing streak, beating Oregon, beating a ranked Richmond team, stomping the mound, beating a ranked Jacksonville team, and now starting off the Patriot League schedule by beating Bucknell. Up next is at Lehigh. What are your evaluations of this team so far? I think they are something to watch. Uh, women's lacrosse has got it going on. And, John, I'll go back to the previous game because beating Bucknell, that was expected. The Jacksonville game was notable. Uh, that's a ranked opponent, came to Annapolis and played very good lacrosse, very good team, Jacksonville, loaded with a lot of local Anne Arundel County kids. Um, but that's a great win. 13 to 12 Navy wins. Uh, Lily Denton, a uh, goal off an assist from Ava Yavino proved to be the game winner and you know both Denton and Yavino played great in that game um it just that that's what got Navy ranked as far as I'm concerned that that's the second uh, yeah I guess you call it upset but I don't think they're upsets anymore that was the second victory over a ranked opponent for Navy which is huge as I wrote in my article if you get to a situation where you need an at-large berth into the NCAA tournament those two uh, victories over non-conference ranked opponents loom large. Um, but in that game, Yovino had six assists, continuing her incredible tear as a plebe. Um, Denton had some big goals. It was balanced scoring all around. Messonese had a couple, but that was a great. Lily had, I'm sorry, Lily had six goals in that game. Um, and the goalie played great. That was Emma's best game. She really came through, made some huge saves in the second half, finished with a career-high 11 saves. I interviewed her after the game along with Lily, but that was a great win for Navy. Um, I, I, the way Navy's playing right now, I see two opponents that, that really are the challenge, Army West Point and Loyola. And so I, I don't see another team in the Patriot League that can beat Navy. Um, but Navy, uh, Cindy has got the player, this team playing very well. They look great against Jacksonville. I was very, very impressed with that victory, John. Yeah, and you mentioned the Army and Loyola games. That's ironically how women's lacrosse will end the season, April 22nd at Army West Point for the Star, and then the home closer on April 28th, Friday Night Lights against Loyola. That will be your determinant, not only for how they possibly win the Patriot League and solidify seeding for the NCAA tournament. But even more importantly, you want to get one of those top two seeds because if you like, if you don't have one of the top two seeds after that Friday night game on April 28th against Loyola, you got to turn right back around and play a Patriot League game on Sunday 
I know we don't want that. We mentioned Ava Yovino, ladies and gentlemen. So far through the season, the plebe has 21 goals, 36 assists. That's 57 points with a 6.33 points per game average. That's through nine games. You figure Navy has eight regular season games left, maybe two in the Patriot League tournament, maybe two or three, hopefully a lot in the NCAA tournament. This is a this is a player who will challenge the single sing, single season record for points uh, at 127 set by Di Pompeo. Also, the points per game average record, which was 6.05. Right now, Jovina is on pace. Uh, very good. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas product. Now, Wags, before we go to break and bring in the Brian Newberry presser, what are your evaluations? You know, the, the, there are the Larkin names out there, the De Pompeos, the Jenna Collins, the Collins sisters. You know, you've got a lot of names out there. Ava Yovino has, has immediately solidified herself, even amongst the Messinises of the world and the Lily Dentons. She is still piling up points. How do you evaluate this so far? She's a very talented player, um, very smooth, lefty, um, always looking to pass. I mean, I think that's her natural instinct is to dish, but she can score as well, as we saw when she scored eight goals. Um, she's Navy's next grace player. I mean, you've mentioned it. Uh, there's been so many over the years. Jessica DePompeo, um, Kelly Larkin, the Collins twins. I mean, we could go on and on. There's been so many great Navy players and. You have to say that Ava Yavino is on pace to be the next great Navy player. Um, and she is having a, a record-setting plebe season. I think she'll definitely set a lot of the plebe records. Um, and you, as you mentioned, if, if she maintains her current pace, she could challenge some of the all-time records for Navy lacrosse. So she's a very impressive player, and hopefully she keeps it up. Next up for women's lacrosse is another roadie. Um, up in uh, the uh, eastern Pennsylvania op area against Lehigh on Saturday. You can catch Navy women's lacrosse right back here a week from today on March 29th at Navy Marine Corps Stadium, 6 p.m. face-off against the Lafayette Leopards. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our opening segment covering lacrosse. We are going to go to break, but when we come back, we have Wags and me and a couple of other journalists asking Brian Newberry some tough questions about spring practice, how the staff is shaping up, what the offense is going to look like, and how these injuries are going to affect their approach to spring practice. Stick with us. When we come back from the break, we'll have Brian Newberry. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Sing Second fans, a few announcements from our friends at NAAA. The Navy football team will hold an open practice on Saturday, April 8th at 9 a.m. at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. Admission is free. Fans should enter the parking lot at gate five or enter on the blue or press box side. Practice will go from 9 to 11 a.m. with family-friendly activities taking place from 10 a.m. till noon. The voice of Navy football, Pete Medhurst, will be on the sidelines during practice, breaking things down for the fans over the PA system. After practice, there will be a Q&A led by Medhurst with head coach Brian Newberry, offensive coordinator Grant Chestnut, and defensive coordinator P.J. Volker. Fans will be encouraged to ask questions. Now back to the pod. Welcome back. It's time for our coaches segment. We've got about 10 minutes of back and forth between John Wags and Coach Newberry from his Zoom presser earlier in the week. And then when we come back 
from hearing what the coach has to say. John and Wags will break down what they heard and some items that they think you should follow as the team jumps into the spring practice season. Without further ado, here's Coach Newberry. Coach, you chose not to issue a depth chart prior to spring camp starting. Why is that? Uh, because it's wide open. Um, you know, for the guys that have played a lot of snaps, we don't want them to feel great about where they're at. You know, we want them to go compete. You know, and for the guys that, that haven't been in the depth, you know, it's a great opportunity for those guys coming into spring ball to, to prove themselves. And, um, you know, the, that's the great thing about when you have a, a staff change and, and a lot of new coaches coming in. Um, you know, you're careful about guarding your opinions on certain players. You want those guys to see it for themselves. And it's a fresh start and fresh opportunity for, for a lot of these guys. And, and uh, the guys that have played a lot of snaps, well, they feel like they've got to go out and prove themselves again, too. So uh, I really always like to start spring ball that way and uh, let those guys go out and compete. And, and nobody feels like they own a job and they got to go out and earn it. So you have an interesting dynamic. You have a lot of returning talent, but you have a bunch of new coaches um, how important is it during the spring camp for these new coaches to get to know these players? It's going to be their first time out on the grass with these players. Uh, there's going to be a kind of a uh, getting to know you process here, right? Yeah, and, and certainly, you know, we've, we've got some coaches that just got here, been here for a couple of weeks, and some, some that have been here for a little while. And they've started that process already. And I've been down in the weight room watching guys work out. We've been through the fourth quarter runs with those guys, so they're – uh, they, they've started the process of getting to know these guys. But of course, you know, going out to spring practice is a little bit different. And uh, it's important that, that each of those new coaches uh, has a fresh perspective and evaluation on those guys. And, and, uh, and I think that goes uh, along with those guys getting a fresh start. Can you last for me up until the next round? Um, can you talk about the fact that you're really completely over a, a lot of new staffers on the offensive side of the ball, plus Coach Chesnut is going to be installing a new, somewhat new system. How important is this spring for the offense? Uh, extremely important. Uh, it's important for both sides of the football. You know, we've got new coordinators on both sides. The, uh, the defensively, there's, a, there's going to be a lot of carryover, obviously. There won't be a ton of change there, but, uh, but Coach Volker's doing that for the first time, so he's going to have his kind of unique spin on it. Um, for, for Coach Chesnut, the new offensive staff, they've been – They've been working a lot of hours, uh, putting things together, making sure they're all on the same page. Really excited about where they're at right now uh, in the installation process. We've gotten off to an early start. You know, we've had a lot of walkthroughs, a lot of on the field time with those guys. So uh, that's going to allow us to hit the ground running, uh, uh, be a little bit more ahead than we have been in the past. It's something we haven't taken advantage of. Uh, some new rules with the walkthrough stuff that's going to help us, like I said, kind of hit the ground running today. Hey, Coach, John Schofield, um, saw you in the stands there for uh, the Basketball Patriot League uh, tournament game. We, what else have you done to kind of inculcate yourself into the hall? Um, do you have frequent meetings with uh, Athletic Director Chuck Gladchuck? I know that it used to be that coaches and captains would go up to Gettysburg uh, toward the end of the summer. Like, what, what else do you have <laughs> planned? What have you done and what else do you have planned to kind of further get yourself involved in the brigade? Sure, it's a great question. Um, you know, we had the, the day where a lot of little things that, that you try to add up uh, that we make time for. You know, we went to class with our players the other day, went over to, to uh, King Hall, had breakfast to get a little bit of a taste of the, uh, of the day in the life of our, our players and just trying to understand that a little bit better. And uh, Of course, you meet with leadership uh, on the yard um, to make sure you see things from their perspective uh, as well as them seeing it from your perspective and 
you know, what can we do better? Um, you know, how can we, how can we uh, improve what we're doing on the yard? And, and from a communication standpoint, um, making sure that we're all on the same page. And, you know, our, our mission uh, and our football program is the same as this here in the academy. But just making sure that, that all arrows are pointing in the same direction and, and uh, being as, as engaged as I can be, you know, enjoy going to basketball games and, and enjoy uh, talking to the lacrosse guys and, and just getting around as much stuff as I can get around to. Uh, this time of year when we're really busy as well, but um, just trying to be as involved as I can be. Uh, you brought up the lacrosse guys, Coach, so I'll ask my last question. I'm not sure how much lacrosse you used to watch. You probably watch a little bit more of it now. Um, what have been your impressions of you know your quarterback and, and his performance on the lacrosse field, and how is that going for you as a staff? Do, like We just had him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and what a great young man talking about not only the management of the balance, but his desire for the balance, his desire to do both and not only do both, but be excellent at both. Uh, how, how have you evaluated how this has gone so far for Xavier Arlon? Yeah. I'll tell you, grow, growing up in Oklahoma, uh, I'll be honest, I didn't see a lacrosse game until I was coaching at Washington and Lee in Virginia when I was 25 years old. And uh, so to be perfectly honest, I, I don't understand a lot of it. Uh, I think it's an unbelievable sport. Uh, it includes a lot of, skill sets that, that, that athletes need to have. Um, I enjoy watching it. I wish I understood a little bit more. I'm learning as I, as I go here, but been impressive with Xavier. Um, he's in the, the way he's handled both, I think it's very difficult. You know, I think uh, we'd like to get him more often than we do, obviously, And uh, but, but he's been around. You know, unfortunately, he's, he's dealt with uh, a few injuries uh, in lacrosse uh, that have kind of kept him out of some of the things that we're doing. And uh, it'll be a you know, touch-and-go thing this spring. Hopefully he'll be available uh, for most of our practices. So that's uh, a lot to juggle. I've uh, been impressed with the way that he's handled it. Uh, but obviously you'd like to be here all the time, uh, but understand what he's doing and, and appreciate what he's doing. Well, so you touched on Xavier. What exactly is his value? Is he going to be, you know, participating in live practices? And are the quarterbacks going to be live this, this spring? Yes. And, uh, not sure about Xavier yet. It depends on where he's at with, with some of the things he's dealing with right now. Um, expect him to be at the majority of our practices. There's a little bit of conflict with some, some lacrosse games, um, but that was a you know part of our agreement and, and, uh, uh, and you know our conversations with Coach Amplo and him. And so expecting to be at all the practices and uh, it'll kind of be day to day as far as you know, what, what kind of live work he's getting or if it's. You know, we call thud and we're, we're, we're essentially live and not going to the ground type of work, uh, you know, whether he'll be in a red jersey or not. But we'll certainly be live some days. Uh, other days we won't. Well, and then with Ty out, uh, I presume Ty's not going to be on ready for spring? Correct. So with him out, how important is this for some young quarterbacks like Teddy Gleaton and Blake? Yeah, and Ponder. I mean, we we got some some good young players, and, and uh, they're going to get a ton of reps this spring, which they need. Uh, really excited about those guys and, and what they've done this off season. Uh, we've got some really good young, talented quarterbacks, and so I'm looking forward to that competition. Um, like I said, the next the next four or five weeks will be a lot of fun, and, and uh, obviously we got to develop those guys. They're young. It's a new system that they're learning. Some carryover, obviously, but uh, excited about those guys. So would it be safe to say that those young guys are going to get the majority of the live reps during scrimmage-type situations? Absolutely. 
and they're going to need them. And what do you want to see, Adam? What do you expect to see by the end of the spring out of these young quarterbacks? Yeah. Well, the growth uh, and, and the fundamentals throughout spring ball and, and also just their, their management, being able to run the offense effectively uh, from a communication standpoint, from an operational standpoint, uh, and to see how they handle all that uh, and see how quickly they can pick it up. With regard to uh, the defense, do you think during this spring you just stay hands off and let Coach Volker put his stamp on it and then – you know, if you feel like come fall camp, you need to be a little more involved, that's the time to do it. Is this, is this spring maybe a chance to just let him be? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. I think um, I've got a lot of time right now to, to, to be heavily involved. And, and uh, I'll certainly sit in uh, the meetings when they're watching practice uh, on both sides of the football. I want to be involved in offense. I want to understand exactly what we're trying to do. And, um, maybe be a little bit of a uh, give a little bit of advice. You know, I've defended the option. I know what's really difficult for us, and so I think it, Coach Chesnut would love to have me in those meetings. Uh, and I also want to be in the defensive meetings, and, and uh, I want to have my hands in that as well. And uh, you know, I trust Coach Volker completely. I wouldn't don't feel like I have to be in those meetings. Just want to be. I want to be a part of that. And uh, you know, the the more heads in the room, the better, in, in my opinion, on, on both sides. And so I'll be. Heavily involved in, on, on both sides throughout spring and special teams as well. Well, you have a lot of talent coming back on defense, a lot of starters, but two positions that are you know open uh, where you lost good seniors, talented players is also a position where you have a brand new coach. Um, can you talk about the, the striker and Raider positions? And mm -hmm. uh, I presume that the, the new assistant is handling both outside linebacker spots, right? He is, yeah. He's, he's doing exactly what, what Coach Canigleo did. And, and uh, yeah, a lot, lose a lot of really good production, you know, with John Marshall and Nick Straw uh, at those two spots. Um, feel really good about um, the players that we have and the depth of those spots right now. A lot of good young players, a lot of talented players. We're, we're really talented at Raider from an athletic standpoint, probably more so than, than you know, the entire time that I've been here. Um, excited about some of the young strikers. Um, we're going to move some guys around. You may see uh, Ray Lane playing some striker this spring. Uh, you may see a couple of other safeties popping down there and playing it. And uh, obviously, that's a really important position for us, one that has to be really productive. And, and uh, so we're going to experiment a little bit. We're going to move some guys around and uh, get them reps on there at striker. And, um, but I, I like. I like what I've seen so far. I like our athletic skill sets, both of those positions. And we've, we've got some pretty good depth. We've got some guys that are a little banged up that we've got to get back uh, that need those reps this spring. And so I'm hoping to get most of those guys back. One last question. I think you had named Coniglio special teams coordinator. Who, is, who has that post now? Ricky Brown does. Um, so it's a, he carries the same exact title uh, that Coniglio was, was going to carry. Um, okay. Seems coordinator's done a phenomenal job. Really excited about some of his ideas and some things that he's done in the past and, and some, some things that he wants to do here. And, and uh, you know, he's got a really, really good pedigree and been some really good places. Obviously, uh, you know, played in the NFL, played on special teams and has a great grasp and understanding for not only special teams, but, but coaching those two outside linebacker positions too. Really a perfect fit for us. All right, ladies and gentlemen, awesome, uh, awesome content there from Brian Newberry. Um, yeah, I know this is an audio medium, but on the Zoom, you can see he's now decorated the office. You know, with each passing day, the the Neomont era fades, 
I'm not sure how good or bad of a thing that is. It's just the way that it is. It's a new, it's a time for a new coaching staff. It's a time for a new start. So let's get going. And there's nothing but positivity from Brian Newberry on that. Wags, your thoughts on the answers that he gave, you know, he was, he was cagey at times, you know, he's, he's finding his head coaching, um, you know, feet there about what to reveal and what not to reveal in terms of depth chart, in terms of injuries and the stuff like that. But, you know, it sounds like he's saying all the right things as you prepare for Notre Dame here in late August. Yeah, well, Brian Newberry's putting his stamp on the program, as you would expect. And, you know, I wrote about it today. There's just, there's going to be some things that stay the same and there's going to be some that change. Obviously, there's certain elements of the Navy football program that Coach Newberry believes are fundamental and need to stay. As I mentioned in the article, the fourth quarter workouts, that's part of the culture of what how Navy builds itself as a program. He's going to keep that, but he's going to change some other things. And, you know, this happened in his very opening press conference, which he closed and it was stood out to me. And I don't know as many, if many other people really quite noticed, but as he signed off on his opening presser, he said, go Navy beat everybody. And that's, that's different. That's different than to go Navy beat army. And to me, it, it speaks volumes that uh, he is, I'm not going to say he's dialing down the importance of beating Army, but he's dialing up the importance of beating, you know, other teams and being good overall and not just focusing on beating Air Force and Army. We got to be a good overall program that competes in the American Athletic Conference just as well. So, I mean, that was a fundamental change saying that. Um, But there's, you know, he's going to change a few things. I found it interesting that he didn't put out a pre-spring depth chart. And I understand that because there's so many new coaches. It's not fair for the depth chart to be based on the opinions of former coaches who are no longer here. These new coaches deserve the opportunity to set the depth chart the way they see it based on their evaluation of players. So it kind of makes sense going into this spring with a brand new staff to not set the depth chart. It also sends a message to the players that, hey, what you've done in the past means nothing. and And that's for both players who were on the depth chart and those who were not. It's a fresh slate. Everybody has a chance to get on the depth chart. And what you do this spring is going to determine that. So what I will be interested to see is if we come out of spring and see a depth chart that is wholly different from the, the depth chart that went into the Army game, because that would mean that we've got different evaluations of players from new coaches um, it's going to be an interesting spring, John. I'm going out tomorrow, and I'm going to spend some time watching practice. I'm curious to see the young quarterbacks. You know, I really like the look of Teddy Gleaton. He is a big guy with a lot of skill. He can throw the ball. He he was a great quarterback at North Point High in Waldorf. He can throw it. I, I remember last fall, he was on the scout team, and he scored a touchdown on a run around the end. It was down the sideline, it was pretty darn impressive against the frontline defense. So, you know, I'm curious to see what these young quarterbacks look like, John. Yeah, that was my thought is that I think with all these new coaches, and yes, Ashley Ingram is still there and you have a lot of holdovers, um, but I, I do think it's exciting not only for the program, but for the athletes themselves to be held to a new standard, to be evolved in a different way, to be coached in a different style. And I think you're going to see that the image of this team, while still a triple option program, while still doing more with less, you know, how they shed the Nehemiah 
uh, image and start building the Newberry image. Now, I know every coach is going to wince when they hear me say that because it's the image of the team, not the coach, but still the coaches are very central uh, to you know building that identity. And I'm excited like you to watch it. I'll be out there at practice with you as well. going to try to talk to Xavier Arline about how his injury is affecting him. He's going to be at practice as well as our punting and golfing sensation, Riley Reithman. Hey, folks, it is now time for a break. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, one more set of announcements from NAAA. Navy Men's Lacrosse returns to Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium Friday, March 31st, as they take on Boston University at 7.30 p.m. For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. Navy Women's Lacrosse returns home Wednesday, March 29th to take on Lafayette at 6 p.m. It will be Girl Scout Day. All area Girl Scouts are invited to join the Navy women's lacrosse team on the field during introductions. Remember, all women's lacrosse games are free to attend. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Hey, Wags, let's take this out. One thing I really wanted to discuss and that we skipped for about a week or two is the coaching carousel in basketball. Now in two weeks, we're gonna have Mike Heary and Pete Medhurst on to help us kind of put, you know, the, the, the right bookend on the basketball season, you know, evaluate how everything went down, the end of the college basketball tournament and, and talking about how Navy basketball goes forward. But the face of the Patriot League might look very different in basketball wags, notably, uh, as I went to have dinner with my son at Temple last night, there was only one name being talked about on the Temple campus to replace Aaron McKee in the basketball program, and that is Colgate's Matt Langle. Now, if he went to Temple, I think a lot of those dudes, if they have graduate years left, although I think Keegan Records is already 41 years old, I think a lot of those dudes might follow him to Temple. So now the Colgate uh, program changes. And big news, and if you didn't follow um john feinstein on twitter over the last two weeks you uh missed his reaction to army head coach jimmy allen being fired now kind of a surprise uh he was the men's basketball coach at army from 2016 to 2023 i can't say that he did a poor job uh the athletic director mike buddy thought it was time for a change how did this change either surprise you or was it expected, Wags? And how do you think the Patriot League basketball landscape is going to look next year? Uh, I was surprised by the firing of Jimmy Allen. I think Jimmy's done a pretty darn good job, and they had a solid finish this season. I mean, I, I, I didn't see what was the problem with Army's program, and he's got a lot of young talent coming back, and already they're, they're, they're really good freshmen announced he's transferring. So I don't, I don't get it. I'm not sure who Army athletic director Mike Buddy thinks he can get that is better than Jimmy Allen, a guy who completely understands serves Academy basketball as he had been a Navy assistant. Uh, I disagree with the move. I'm not sure who Army, what, what, what direction they're going with the program or who they think is a better fit than Jimmy Allen. I just know Jimmy Allen's a good guy, put his heart and soul into Army basketball. And for my evaluation had done a pretty good job army's always been competitive they've always been up at the top tier of the standings for the most part during jimmy's tenure and they had a good season they, they were coming off a solid season it's not like there was 
uh, something wrong or broken with the program. I mean, maybe there's something going on behind the scenes we don't know about, John. But yes, that was the first of many changes. And then American fired Mike Brennan and then Holy Cross fired Brett Nelson. And, you know, it's like <laughs> complete overhaul in the Patriot League. And you're thinking, well, who's next is, a you know, the Loyola's guy, uh, you know, poor uh, Hardy has not uh, had a whole lot of success Tavares Hardy at Loyola, but you not, know, not since Salty Aldana left. No. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, now he's only been there a few years, but yeah, I, it's strange to see the Patriot League, which is, you know, let's admit it. Come on there. It's pretty much the lowest rated league in the country. And it just surprised to see this massive you know, firing of coaches. I mean, it's like, you know, do you think there was a power five conference and, you know, we got to get new guys in here because the standard is so high. We've got to be winning <laughs> championships and going to the NCAA tournament on a regular basis. It's supposed to be an academic league. Um, I think most of these coaches we're talking about are pretty, pretty good coaches as far as uh, make, making sure their players are doing the right things, et cetera. So just a bit of an interesting offseason. I did not have a chance to see Feinstein's rant. Did he go – uh, crazy on Mike, buddy. Oh yeah. So it, in case I'll give you guys the abridged version, but John Feinstein does not like the army athletic director at all. And, uh, if you remember about two army Navy games ago, ladies and gentlemen, we had Connor Cream, uh, cons as they call him on the zero blog 30 podcast on, and Feinstein went on a rant about, um, about Jimmy Allen getting fired. Uh, Connor Crean defended it and then Feinstein just started just Twitter stomping him, you know, and, and John Feinstein's getting up there in years. And if you listen to the pod, John, I, I apologize, but um, it, it was kind of an embarrassing look as they were debating back and forth, you know, the merits of an athletic director at a service academy. But suffice it to say, uh, Feinstein was not a fan of Jimmy Allen's firing. And we'll talk to Mike Erie about it because you mentioned Wags that Jimmy Allen had a time at Navy. It was during the 97, 98 teams that went to the NCAA tournament with Mike Heary under Don DeVoe. So, yeah, we'll have to talk to Mike about his evaluation of that. But I agree. If now Matt Langle leaves for Temple, and if I'm Langle and I see all of this turnover around me, I've got to look at it as a 50-50 proposition, right? Like I can stay at Colgate and continue to dominate teams that are now working in new coaches, or I capitalize on my success. I go to where I've coached before and I try to fix a Temple program, which, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, needs to get fixed. Like their football team, like a year or two ago, every single one of their dudes right now, according to my insiders and Hardwick Hall at Temple University, is in the transfer portal. So I don't know. Matt Langle would be walking into a total rebuild there, too. All right. So let's put a pin in this entire pod by taking it out. Wags, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about track and field. Molly Mangan uh, basically continuing to sweep up. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about wrestling. I'll send it over to you before I take it out. Well, Molly Mangan deservedly getting a lot of honors, both uh, Patriot League and the uh, NAAA Athlete of the Week. Uh, she broke three program records at the Ross and Sharon Invitational on Saturday in San Diego, California. She broke her own. 200-meter dash school record, time of 23.90 seconds. 
won the race by nearly four tenths of a second. She also broke Navy's 400 meter record with time 53.70 to place first. She was also part of Navy's Victoria Spore by 100 meter relay team, along with Gia Anderson, Maya Guyton, and Sabrina Suter. And that team broke a Navy record with a time of 45.94. So <laughs> Molly Magan just tearing it up on the track. She's been a great uh, athlete for Navy track and field for some time, but this is one of her best performances. Well-deserved. Yeah, and as we go out, I'd like to also tip my cap uh, to the Navy wrestlers. Uh, they concluded their competition at the NCAA championships. Uh, David Key, Jacob Kozer, and Grady Grice fell in their session three matches. That ended Navy's season, but the three of them getting to the next sessions was pretty awesome. I loved the fact that wrestling got the coverage that it did on ESPN. Uh, you got to see a lot of the wrestlers like from uh, Ohio State and some of the other Blue Blood programs, um, you know, and, and who, those, who those Navy wrestlers are going up against. It was really, really impressive. Um, you know, you, you just, you just know that, uh, Carrie Colot has that, that program going in the right direction. And I think in a couple of years, you're going to see guys, not only like one or two on the podium, but consistently Navy wrestlers on the podium at NCAAs. Wags, I'll give you the last word on that. Well, I think Carrie Colot is expecting more out of Navy wrestling. I mean, that's just, that's not satisfying or acceptable to him. He wants Navy wrestlers to get all American status. So there's work to do, but you know, some of the young wrestlers in the program are very, very prob promising. Uh, one last shout out. I'll give uh, Navy baseball pitch freshman pitcher, Jackson Beatty was named Patriot league baseball rookie of the week. John, he has quietly been quite a solid relief pitcher for the mids. He currently holds a 3.86 ERA in 14 innings over seven appearances on the mound, uh, eight strikeouts while only giving up four walks. He's been very solid. So congratulations, a very promising young pitcher for Navy baseball, Jackson Bate. Yeah, he's part of that baseball turnaround. We uh, shouldn't forget that they split their series with Bucknell uh, at home. They won the Friday and Saturday games. Um, unfortunately, they dropped the Saturday nightcap in the Sunday game. They lost that six to three. Uh, you can catch baseball as well this coming weekend against Lehigh. Uh, first pitch on Saturday is 1 p.m. there at the Williger Brothers Field at Max Bishop Stadium. Say that 20 times fast. Uh, also, good luck this week and weekend to swimmers who are at the NCAA championships and again to lacrosse who will be in action this weekend as well. And lastly, uh, let's talk about rugby, the men's rugby team, the nationally recognized and awesome men's rugby team is taking on army this Friday night up at West point. Good luck to them. Uh, that is their last match before they start uh, preparing for the NCAAs or the D one, a national championship playoffs. Um, Saturday after the men's game is the alumni game. Good luck to Chris Hoffman, Chris Cleary, and those guys, hopefully they don't break any bones. And then Saturday, the women's team down here in Leesburg, Virginia, 10.30 a.m., they take on women's rugby. Wags, what are you expecting from those two matches other than two giant Ws? Got to get the win. And, I mean, men's rugby is rolling. They killed Penn State over the weekend. And, you know, strong follow-up to the big upset, I guess you call it, of Cal, even though Navy's number one. Uh, expect the men to beat Army again uh, and 
Same for women. Got to got to take down those black knights. Wags, that's a wrap. Um, many thanks to NAAA for making available Brian Newberry this week. Wags, many thanks to you and the articles that you post on Capital Gazette. Please read those and subscribe and support local journalism, ladies and gentlemen. And thanks to Chris Cervello, our producer. I am John Schofield. We will see you next week. We have an amazing pod. Join us then. We're out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.